rise and shine bitches welcome back to another episode of just a quick pinch i'm your host connie wang i finally have a special guest back everyone jimmy is back but i won't dance mom you today because i'm happy that you're back jimmy's been back after a long hiatus of not being here um jimmy inform all the listeners what they've missed in your life since you were last on a chief complaints i don't think we've recorded in this apartment yet it's been a we month we definitely haven't recorded in this apartment well what's new with you I already started my new job, I think, the last time we started, but I'm still kind of... still and no still... nauseation is happening. <laughs> okay, go on. Still at the new job. Didn't quit or anything. It's going okay. Still a little bit of imposter syndrome being a primary care pharmacist after being a psych pharmacist for so what have you? Years. What have you mostly been seeing as a primary care pharmacist? Diabetes. Diabetes? Lots of, <laughs> lots lots of, of diabetes. <laughs> and learning to be a provider again. It's been a while since I've had to kind of take the reins at for managing patients conditions so do you feel like you've had like imposter syndrome at all since starting yeah every day so how have you been like dealing with that uh you're just like i just haven't (laughs) panicking i don't know (laughs) having just like low grade anxiety and stress levels at all times do you feel like it's getting a little bit better though or do you at least feel like like you're like enjoying more like the people that you work with and like that's helping yeah i feel like i actually the way that some of my job works it's almost more isolated than mm. my last job had been so i'm not interacting with as many people but one of the medical assistants has been really nice to me his name's eric oh that's so cute you, wait so would you say eric is like your work bestie yeah he's nice <laughs> have you guys had lunch together yet no Wait, can we talk about lunchroom apprehension and why that's, like, the worst part of starting any new job? Because, like, that's kind of how I feel. Like, everyone in my work is, like, really nice and they're all, like, really friendly and welcoming. But I'm still kind of, like, worried for the first day of work. Um, like, where I'm going to sit. Like, who I'm going to sit with. What I'm going to pack. Like, do we talk during lunch? Do we not talk? Or do people just sit in their cars? Like, I just, I, I don't know the vibe of this new place. You think you're going to get to eat lunch? <laughs> Jimmy's like, oh, that's adorable. You think you get a lunch I'm, break? I'm sure you have a lunch break. Are you going to have, you'll probably have an office space or you something. You guys, I just realized I made the fatal flaw, actually. In all my days of shadowing my workplace and all that, I never shadowed through lunch. I never saw if they got a lunch or what the vibe was. I could be walking into a lunchless establishment. They, they actually seem pretty nice, though, so I think I, I will get lunch, obviously. But I think you'll have a chance to lunch, but I don't know if you're necessarily going to be lunching gabbing it up with that's what the with your what are they're not called technicians we're not gonna be gabbing, right? uh dental assistants and hygienists yes oh right right yeah i mean wait wait my... can i tell you like a really cute story sure. so this past week on monday it was like one of my first real days of onboarding mm-hmm. um and i was like shadowing like one of the doctors and the assistants and then the assistant like was really nice and she was like oh after this i'd like for us to like sit together and then you can like tell me all of the instruments and like the materials that you want me to like set up for you and order for you and i was like wow. i have a choice i'm like oh like, surely you're mistaken. Like, I don't have choices where I come from, I feel like. And she's like, oh, no, you can, like, choose what instruments you want. And, like, I'll order whatever you want. I was like, oh, my God. It was, like, so sweet. And, like, it's you know just cool to great? think I'm going to have a right-hand woman. That is that is cute. Mm-hmm. I think every dentist gets that. Yeah, no, no, definitely, Jimmy. Every dentist gets that, but Here's no one in dental like, school gets wah. that. Well, obviously. Yeah, no, in dental school, they're like, oh, budget cuts. All right, if you guys can, try to use less of this. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, really cool. Also, 
Um, I like popped into a couple exam rooms on Monday and I introduced myself as like Dr. Wang and like I fooled everyone. Everyone thought I was like a legit dentist. You including are a legit dentist. Including the mothers. That's when you know because I saw a bunch of like kind of like teen people that like their their moms were still there. Um and like the mom was like like, like, you know how the moms during dental appointments, they try to hang back and be cool and, like, let the kid take over their own apartment, but then, um, a- appointment, but then, like, when there's questions, like, when to get wisdom teeth removed and stuff like that, the mom has to chime in and be like, um, like, when are we doing this, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, the moms, like, threw some questions at me, and I was like, oh, don't worry, mom, we got it, like, blah, how blah, blah. How old were these kids? Um, like, 16, 17. The moms were still with them. Their for moms were still with them? Yeah, I don't know. Their moms were still with them. I can't recall my mom coming back into the room with me some moms are like that no this is like a thing okay because like they would just tell my mom after i came out like when i was 16 i think like i would no yeah myself i I was a latchkey kid from the time i was like eight or nine years old so like my mom was like not going in these rooms with me but anyways the point of the whole story is i even tricked the moms into thinking i was a legit dentist they said thank you dr wang after that's great and i was like i'm proud of you (laughs) yeah as long as they don't go search your license. I know. I realize I I mean, like, well, uh, well That's you, so true. you had supervision. Not really. Well, Not in the slightest. They weren't in the room. The, but they signed off. They wrote the notes. They signed off on everything. This is true. Okay, let's go on to our personal chief complaints of the week before going on to your chief complaint of the week. Wow, this, mm-hmm. this episode is already so much better with you. Thank you for coming on. The last two weeks have been pitiful, and I'm sorry for anyone that had to listen to me by myself. Um, so Jimmy, yeah, you don't give great advice. Well, no, I do. It's just like kind <laughs> you, of one need, tone. Yeah, you need additional people. To make it's kind of like advice. a one-woman band versus a two-man band. So anyway, yeah. share your chief complaint with everyone for the week. Wait, I thought you were going to share yours first. Um, I'm still like working out the kinks on mine. What's yours? <laughs> do you want to take a couple of guesses as to what it is? Connie's been I've very nervous about what my well, complaint is going to be. He said, and he said it about me. In, but she had a lot of incriminating things. But she's like, was it this? And I was like, no. no. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> a lot, okay. lot of things where I'm like, you know, I haven't been bothered by that. <laughs> but now, but that, now you that you mention it, <laughs> okay. perhaps. These are my suggestions. One, I was like, is your chief complaint that I haven't really started wedding planning yet? And he was like, no. Which, he's a gem for that because, like, I'm, like, trying to step on it, but, like, I'll do, like, a whole episode about that. But, like, some moves are being made. But, so, okay, so it's not that I haven't started wedding planning yet, and it's no. not that I haven't fully unpacked yet. No. Fascinating. That, that might be next week's complaint. Okay. Um, and it's not that I... Setting deadlines for her sometimes helps. What else could I be doing? And it's not that I, like don't have a job yet and don't have money yet it's something i've literally complained about every morning for the last like since we moved here (laughs) i know exactly what it is i'm so sorry (laughs) honey is it that i haven't bought in blackout curtains yet for us it is (laughs) oh so our new our new apartment gets a lot of natural light which is great for us podcast recorders and uh, social media girlies but not so great for but Jimmy at so 6 great in the morning. for my sleep. I wake up at 6 a.m. every day. I don't need to be up until like 7 at the earliest. And then I just can't get back to sleep. This could also be a symptom of depression. But 
I'm fairly certain. <laughs> You're like it's all the things light. considered. Wait, can I give you guys like a little editor's cut, like a little um, like normally I'd be like editing Connie here, but I've just thought of it and I don't feel like editing this in because I might forget. Um, I secretly kind of like that the light comes in early because it forces me. I've been waking up earlier than I usually do because it's easier for me with like the light and stuff. What do you consider earlier than usual? Like earlier than like 8 a.m. I can get out of bed now. Yes, today I walked Ellie at like 7.50. 7.50. You know, like... That is 8 a.m. <laughs> I guess you're right. But no, but I've been like slowly working up to it. And like today, today... Okay, do you remember when I looked at the clock at 6.37 today and you were like, oh, the sun is shining? I actually felt like tip-top ready to go. But my problem is, I don't know if any of you guys out there experience this, when you fall back asleep for like an extra 30 minutes to an hour and then you wake up feeling so much groggier mm -hmm. i should have just woken up at 6 30 is what i'm saying like it really does help me wake up earlier but okay anyways duly noted i will get you blackout curtains tomorrow you were supposed to get them today okay anyways i'll get you the blackout curtains tomorrow so anyways <laughs> now for my chief complaint of the help. week my chief complaint of the week is that my skin is like totally out of whack feel my skin right now is this hives it's not oh, as smooth. Feel a yeah, yeah, right. Usually, it's like a baby's my, butt. My super smooth sweetheart. Yeah. So what happened was, um, ever since we moved in the past uh, like month or so, my skin has been so off. I don't know if the water is different, but then also I haven't been doing my usual skincare regimen simply because like everything's just like not where I'm used to. Um, I did order on Prime Day this sick deal for this like uh, skincare organizer that goes on your countertop, and it's like compact and tall so that it like holds all your stuff and you swing it around but yeah like oh my god feel this side jimmy feel it's like braille it is a little, you could read yeah, my face yeah, if you little... were blind the rest of you is still smooth though yeah no it's really just like my face but you need to exfoliate more i don't think that's the answer but sure maybe um <laughs> i don't know actually i'm impressed that you as a boy know what exfoliation is so i'm just gonna take that as a um win. i'm not sure if i know or i just know the word the word yeah okay uh, but so anyways, I'm pretty sure it's about kind of letting them pores breathe. So, anyways, without further ado, now on to your chief complaints of the week. We have our first chief complaint here, which is... Actually, we're just doing one chief complaint. Like I said, we're doing one from now on. So, the chief complaint of the week is, I need help with working on an interdisciplinary team with someone who always opposes what I have to say. So, this person said... I felt like the points I've offered aren't considered by this person because they're not an ironclad solution. They're a nutritionist, and this is with an MD. Um, and they just said that I found that he's a lot more willing to support my ideas when they're supported by another staff member or when I really double down and add extra supporting info. But I just don't think that should be necessary. Okay, so I thought that this would be a really good episode to have Jimmy on because this, if this ain't like the name of the game of being like a pharmacist, like I feel like he has a lot of good years of insight on this. This is obviously something that I think nutrition and pharmacy kind of share. We're kind of considered supporting cast members in the mm. clinical environment in a way would you agree with that yeah i think so even though i think kind of the, in the different environments allow you to shine right. differently I think, I think in the in the modern era of healthcare, there is a lot of more mutual respect amongst interdisciplinary team members totally. i think people that are getting trained that are younger everyone got that kind of exposure I think with the older generation of MDs, I've definitely noticed kind of older docs that I've worked with are a little bit more resistant to not just my recommendations, really, but any other discipline's recommendations. So it's like a they culture kind of, thing? It's a culture thing. They kind of like, there's like a generation of doctors that, you know, they were 
trained and taught like you call the shots like everyone else is you know kind of secondary to you right uh so i think that sometimes can be into play i don't know the age of this md that uh you're having trouble with and there's plenty of nice old docs that are also progressive yeah or they just kind of don't really know anything anymore so they're happy to have the help (laughs) that's (laughs) self-aware right but i think there's kind of like this grouping of people and just kind of personality types in general that sure yeah that uh unfortunately can happen i think the important thing to kind of know in this situation is really just knowing your audience and knowing that while it is frustrating that your recommendations aren't being taken at face value, if they're being taken when you give them a little bit of extra mustard, you provide that additional evidence. Extra mustard? Have some more backing. Is, is, is that a phrase, phrase? Give them extra mustard? I think so. And onions? That's cute. Uh, mustard. But Ketchup. I think if, if you've found that that is how your recommendations are coming across successfully and that that's how you're able to best help the patient, then... The reality is that's what you have to do for that particular individual. Mm-hmm. There's a really good chance that it wouldn't matter if you're the best nutritionist or the mm-hmm. worst nutritionist. There, that doctor might still need that extra bit of information to feel comfortable accepting those recommendations. It's definitely not about you or your expertise. Mm. Uh, and I've had a. I, this is something I would say. This is an everyday kind of thing working on an interdisciplinary team. If you're a pharmacist. You're not going to be batting a thousand. And I'm sure the same goes with nutrition as well. Uh, all, Not every recommendation is going to be accepted. Uh, everyone has different clinical opinions that are going to kind of factor how they react to other recommendations in that kind of team environment. So you just have to be mindful of that and not let your feelings kind of get in the way of taking care of the patients the best way that you're able to. Uh, it stinks that you have to kind of go through that extra work, but I know I work with eight different doctors now. Some of them need that additional evidence to feel comfortable with my recommendations. Some of them will take anything I say at face value. That's kind of equally dangerous sometimes. So. <laughs> I mean, there's also a chance that the more that you work with him with time, like some, like everyone builds trust at, at a different mm-hmm. pace. So maybe you might, after a certain point, get to a point where you build trust with him and it won't take that extra doubling down on things. Yeah, did, did they say how long they've been Mm-mm. on this team? I don't know anything? how long, but I, I will say, I think one good way to approach this is really think about like why this really bothers you. Like what is it specifically? Because there's two different ways that you can look at it or maybe even more. One way to look at it is, does this bother you because him not trusting your recommendations or him shooting down your ideas, does it make you question yourself? Like, does it really throw you off and make you feel that like imposter syndrome and think like, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about? That's that's possible, in which case that would need a different approach. Or do you actually like trust your own recommendations and it just like bothers you and annoys you that someone is questioning your opinions because you're like, no, I know my shit. I know I'm right. Like, why are you fighting me on this? It could go one of two ways, right? Because the first way, if it's upsetting you because he's basically like shooting you down and it's like hurting your self-confidence, then the solution is to build back up your confidence and, you know, surround yourself with people who do support your ideas and like read up on literature so that you feel really confident about your choices. Or if it's the second option where you know you know your shit and it's just annoying you that he's being petty and like doesn't respect any of your decisions solely because they're coming from you, then I feel like the approach is more coming from a place of like just not letting him get to you. Because 
it's kind of like no matter what you think like he's gonna act the way that he's gonna act so it's almost not worth it for you to burn valuable energy like ruminating and being like why won't he like it's blah 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 like it's so frustrating i like totally get it i would be in the same boat 100 percent, and i would definitely like take it personally um which is really really tough but I think that once you sort out, okay, why am I really upset about this? It'll set you up in a better way to not get as upset and worked up about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like find ways to, maybe he acts, does he act like this with any other staff members? You can be like, you can like commiserate over that kind yeah. of. Like, I would look in the team meeting room the next time you recommend something and he shuts it down too quickly. Mm-hmm. You actually like bring up a good point though. I think another way would be like if you help support other people, they can also help support you. Like mm-hmm. definitely keep in mind all those people that have backed you up before and like if they make good points and he's fighting them on it, like that would be a good time for you to chime in. You know, it's kind of like a teamwork thing. Right, yeah. They helped you, you help them. But yeah, just keep an eye out for who's rolling their eyes when he's saying no to things. And yeah. maybe that's someone that could be that you could at least An commiserate ally. with, have a confidant. Uh, no also, need to start workplace drama, but no, don't start workplace drama. But also, I think another thing, especially, yeah, you know, I don't know if you're the only person in your department that has to work with this provider, or if there's other times other people are working with them. There is probably someone else you could talk to about this. You could definitely talk to your supervisor if you have a good relationship. One hundred percent, yeah, supervisor. And just kind of, even if just to share your frustration i think the important thing to do is to just like support yourself during this time because like it's obviously like very upsetting and very frustrating when you feel like someone on your team is like antagonizing you like that's what this is is antagonizing it's like why do you have to be like this so i feel like the important thing to do is like just like identify how you can better be on your own side how you can better like make yourself feel better like a lot of people are the way they are for a certain reason and they don't change for like a lot of reasons so i think that the most productive thing is to focus on yourself put your blinders on and don't let him get to you because as long as you know that you're making that you're trying your best you're making the best recommendations that you can and you're being the best nutritionist that you can then nothing else matters whether or not he accepts it you know, like, don't let that really get to you. Because you have so many patients out there that need your help. So many other recommendations that, like, they need you to make. So just stick true, stay true to your guns and don't let him get to you. And uh, so here's something that sometimes can happen. Oh, do you have time. an anecdote? <laughs> I do have an anecdote. Well, first of all, like Connie was saying, you got to build trust. It's gradual. It's not going to happen overnight. Different people trust differently. And can end up happening in these situations, especially depending on the types of recommendations you're making, especially if it's something that could really impact their course of therapy. There's going to be a situation that happens at some point where you make a recommendation that would be phenomenal for the patient and by him rejecting it, it's actually gonna cause harm to the patient. And hopefully that's something that that doctor is aware occurred. And they'll kind of internally know like, oh, I should have listened. But I also think, now that I think about it, I also think people like that don't think like that like you you know like people that are so douchey don't have the self-reflection to be like oh i should instead they would be like come on i should have thought of that maybe but i think there's something to be said that kind of happening that's true obviously you can't be like i told you so or anything what's a professional way to say i told you (laughs) well as per my recommendation (laughs) i mean at least the way that i've dealt with something like that before Uh is i one time made a recommendation around um I don't want to get too specific. No, yeah, don't get specific. But uh, just, I won't understand. Yeah, I, I made a recommendation around adjusting a medication for a potential interaction. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the MD that was I was working with that day 
uh, kind of blew it off. He's like, oh, I don't think that, you know, we, I don't think we need to worry about that. Uh, and this isn't meant to be MD slander because all professions do this. No, I think it's just that like the power structure, the power dynamic that exists in healthcare, the MD does have a little bit of final say. Yeah. Uh, so even though I strongly urge, hey, we should reduce this dose for this reason, didn't do it. And then when we went to draw blood levels, uh, you know, a little while later, the patient was extremely toxic. Oh man. Luckily, they didn't get any harm uh-huh. from this. But, uh, you know, it was a covering doctor that kind of blew me off. Got it. So I actually talked to the team doctor that I normally work with. It's just like, hey, this happened while so-and-so was covering. Uh, I had recommended at that time that we do this. I just wanted to let you know. See, but I, I made it very clear to the actual attending that, hey, this, I was attempting to prevent this. I'm so sorry this happened. Like, here's what we can obviously do right now. Mm-hmm. And she was kind enough to say, all right, I'm going to make sure that this doctor, doctor knows, knows that this happened and could have been prevented had that been yeah. kind of implemented. That's so nice that they have your back. That, I feel like, is the most important thing of the workplace, and that's probably why this is so hurtful, is, like, understandably so, is because, like, you want the people you're working with to have your back. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's, like, not really like that. Um, so did you ever work with that covering doctor again? Yeah. And did you feel like they respected your opinions a little bit more? Um, I would say some of the time. I think it's you know, another situation people where some just, people yeah. are just kind of funny about things, yeah. have weird beliefs about medications that aren't entirely accurate. Um, <laughs> and you just got to pick your battles sometimes, too. Yes. At the end of the day, you get to go home, maybe have a rosé. Why rosé? I don't know. I a like Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio. And it'll be fine. I don't want you to have to take this work home with you. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, no, truly. Like, you, the, this is not on you. You are a great nutritionist. Don't let anyone out there, any patient, anybody on the team, anyone make you feel like you're less than. Yeah. I think I, I just came from a job situation where I felt like the whole culture was, oh, why? what is the point of a clinical pharmacist? Mm, that's tough. Like, no one really understood. No one understood what we were capable of. And... It was frustrating, and I definitely took it home with me for a lot of time, and it definitely affected my mood and my ability to kind of enjoy my time out of work for and a chunk of time. sense of self-worth, right? And, yeah, it, like, all of that kind of can go out the window if you feel like you're in an environment where you're not being respected and your mm-hmm. ideas aren't, you know, the value that you bring isn't being seen even though you went through all this schooling to provide this value. Well, I was going to say that must be really tough, especially coming straight out of like any residency program or training or even school because in school and residency, you are like taught, you are like the head honcho. Like in school, we had so many responsibilities and then residency, I'm sure like you had so many responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So you go from a place that's focused on teaching you and pushing you to grow and like giving you that responsibility to like a lot of real workplaces that aren't like training programs, mm-hmm. like the structure, the culture, the treatment is very different from like what training is like. I even feel like, and I never worked as a as a real pharmacist, so I don't know how much I can really comment on this, but I feel like in school, the way like the way that they would structure tests, the way that they would structure labs, the way that we did rotations, they almost made it like like we were the providers. Like I got so used to being in that provider role, our OSCEs, like counseling mm-hmm. and all that. And then in real life, like in certain rotations or certain environments, I'd be like, oh, like in real life, like we're not given this level of like respect or opportunity or anything like that. So it's it's kind mm-hmm. of like a culture shock. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it might be similar with nutrition. I I don't know much about post grad training for nutrition, uh, but I, you know, if like you had additional kind of training after graduation, I think though that type of time is where you kind of learn to deal with kind of the rejection and everything. If you're still kind of like a trainee afterwards, mm. and you meet these not so nice people, unfortunately. I know that's like such a hard truth I've learned is like not everyone has to be nice. I'm like, what the hell? Because my parents raised me like you have to be nice to everyone. You have to be respectful. And like, I'm so thankful for that. But then I get out into the real world. and I'm like, some of y'all did not have YQ and way as parents, clearly, because some of you do not know your manners. Mm. And like, yeah. And then I realize like it's like a slap to the face. You're like, oh, like people don't have to be nice to me. Like, yeah. I think, like, also it's easy to think, like, oh, you're supposed to try to be likable and try to be nice. But, like, that's really – some mm-hmm. people just don't have that prerogative, and it's it's not their prerogative to have, so. Yeah. And I think the other important thing here is when you're at work, it's not about getting other people to like you. Mm-hmm. It's about taking care of the patients. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to be like, oh, like, why don't they like me? Right, take it personally. Yeah. And take it personally. Or even just, like, be like, oh, like, they don't like me professionally or whatever. Like, It's tough. It's a very, yeah. like – uncomfortable feeling but but it's a, it's a slippery slope if you uh dwell on it too long right like that's not the hill that you want to die on but hopefully this was helpful yeah i hope that this at least makes you feel a little bit better that you're definitely not alone and a lot of people go through this like i feel like everyone on the team goes through this at some point so just know that you're doing an awesome job and i'm really proud of you for even writing in and thinking about it because a lot of people like go through these things uh, these problems at work and they never do anything to change it they'd never do put any thought into it so it's really nice that you're like putting in the thought to like see if there's anything that you can do to fix it so yeah that's great go you go you uh (laughs) and uh, drop us a message yeah. with your nutrition recommendations about if shrimp scampi that we're about to have is healthy for us. <laughs> yeah, send us any healthy recipes that you have we're because have Jimmy and I are working butter. on that. Um, and Jimmy's going to go get the wine. So oh, anyway, yeah. so we are going to go start cooking dinner, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we will see you guys next week. Bye! Bye.